podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. To Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I'm Graham Phyllis and I'm once again joined by Scottish football statistics kings Craig Anderson and Tom Watt. Hello. 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 Uh, as a lot of top flight teams are now currently returning from their sunny retreats, uh, which looks like absolute murder for the social media guys more than anything else, um, uh, we are going to have a look at some teams that need to hit the ground running at this week's Scottish Cup coming up. Uh, condolences to our Falkirk listeners um, You don't need to tune in this week So just sorry, skip right over this um, But with this in mind um, We'll have a look at which teams Maybe have had a bit of a jolly away And other teams that need to put in a bit of graft there So who wants somebody want to volunteer Somebody that needs to hit the ground running uh, As the season restarts um, it Couldn't really have Couldn't really have asked for uh, an easier Start but Jermaine Defoe Um I mean, if you could have, it, it will be a rude awakening for him. You can't imagine that even in his lower league days when he was punted around at Bournemouth out on loan from West Ham, he's going to quite be ready for anything quite like Central Fife, communist heartland Central Fife. Um, this is, I mean, I'm like, I'm not prepared for Central Park. Nobody like, is. I'm not like, nobody is. The idea of hitting the ground running at Central Park is a dangerous thing to do because you need to run in your studs across the tarmac. Yeah. You know, hitting the ground, I mean, not immediately hitting the ground running there because that's possibly quite dangerous, but. Jermaine, have you seen Gladiator? It's a bit like that. <laughs> it's a bit like that, but with more motors. But yeah, I mean, just just in general for, for kind of his. his uh, like he, he, he's come in such a high profile and. Um, seen as well, like a really talismanic game changing signing obviously Kevin Meath's not going to be the place that um, it's not going to be make or make break, or break for Rangers career. but in, in terms of what he's like nobody's really seen anything from him for a couple of years we don't know if it's we don't know if he's rusty we don't know if he's the same guy from even two years ago yep. banging him in from Sunderland um, and so it would be really interesting to see how he hits the ground running and I think Expectations are incredibly high. If I mean, it's almost like if he plays sixty minutes and only scores once, then that probably dampens expectations a little bit. Um, so yeah, Jimmy and the full again. In addition to that, like I say, well, there are no, there are going to be no great judge. Well, there are going to be great judgments made on Jimmy and the full playing against Cowden Beef. No one sensible is going to make no. any great judgments. But again, like you say, no, well, very well, few pundits around this are <laughs> sensible. Well, 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 like you say, we've been punted around the lower leagues in England and in various places he's played there. Again, is he ever going to have seen anything like Cowden Beath centre halves? No. <laughs> I mean, the, it, it'll be interesting just rocking into, you know, former mining towns. Just, in just de- just I'm just desperate for a picture of him and Donald Finlay as well. <laughs> I'd been to Cowden Beath and I was there for about 10 minutes and then immediately met Donald Finlay, so I presume everybody does. 
It's like the, the gatekeeper. Yeah, essentially <laughs> you arrive at Count Beath and here is Donald Finlay. Hiya Donald, how you doing? No bad. And then life goes on and presumably I would imagine Donald may have a, a desire to meet Jermaine. Yeah, I mean there's there's certainly a cross interest. I, I would still be astonished if he wasn't present at this particular yes. game. Um <laughs> you, you would imagine he'll he'll have uh, shifted heaven and earth to make it there. <laughs> uh, Craig, who have you got? Um well I've got um Jordan Jones. Um, someone who's used to hitting the ground anyway, but he. Um, <laughs> what? Just, for for anyone that's not seen this, we're, we're currently in Craig's office. He has his command calendar, and I don't know that underneath the four post it notes <laughs> that's up on the wall, I don't know that it's Jordan Jones, but I would presume that it's Jordan Jones. Uh, I mean, there is a second option now, but he's not pissed me off yet. It's not uh, as soon as he goes somewhere else, we'll talk about that. But, I mean, jo- Jordan Jones at the moment, um, until he otherwise is going to remain a, a Kelly player until the end of the season. If he, I mean, you've got to presume he, he won't play against Rangers on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, whenever it is, regardless. But if he's serious about or if he is going to stay at Kelly for the rest of the season he better bloody hit the ground running against, <laughs> against Wofford and he better turn in a performance and it's he's not pop, he's not going to be popular regardless and I think unless he literally scores a goal that wins as a Scottish Cup or wins a league or something he's not going to be remembered fondly but if, if, if he goes and scores in his first game back yeah, after the break Foco at least be like okay he's, he's trying here I, I don't actually doubt that he will try if he is playing because apart from anything he he would love to go to Rangers having stopped Celtics 10 in a row with any team um, but it's so yeah, what you're saying is he can play two games until the end yeah, of the season yeah, he'll, he'll probably against, perform yeah. fine um, but yeah he's got a massive um, if, he, if he does that I mean I still have my doubts but the problem Kelly have is are we going to get a big enough fee to that it justifies basically weakening ourselves and strengthening a team that we are hot in contention with at the moment. Um, and it's not like we're just level with Rangers over a short period of time. And like over the last year, we've been as good as them. Okay, they have pushed the boat out, as as have Celtic, in fact, um, to, to kind of try and pull away from us. But um, and nothing else. And that that's it. But he's uh, yeah, he's just got a big one ahead of him. And I, th- I think Kelly do in general because if if Jones does leave or isn't doesn't feature and Stuart doesn't return, which I've kind of, I don't think he will now. I think we probably are going to get outbid by yeah. whatever goes on unless he kind of just to come thinking, back, yeah. oh, I must return to Kilmarnock. Um, I don't think anyone's ever said that in their life. <laughs> um, Kelly are going to you know if Kelly go and lose to Rangers in that first game, and then I think we play Hearts and Aberdeen in quick succession after that as well. If those games don't go well, even though they're three hard games, folk will be like, oh yeah, lost yeah. the players, yeah. and then that narrative becomes more difficult to, yeah. to kind of manage. Um, if, so if, if, if I was, if I was, if I was able, if I, if I was going to bet on it, I would bet that Kilmarnock will beat Rangers, and then will not beat Rangers or will not beat Hearts and Aberdeen. Yeah, um, that just, seems... just the, the way I imagine Clark will have the team set up is that they will, like, regardless of what happens, whatever black magic goes on. He will <laughs> defeat Rangers, uh, but again, possibly not the next two games. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Um, I've got kind of a three pronged one, which all roll into one. Um, so I've got um, Ross McCormick, Stephen Robinson, and Motherwell. Um, all three of which, all three of whom, uh, kind of need to hit the ground running. It's been, there's been a lot been made of the fact that Motherwell are sitting in that 
League of Their Own, essentially, and not in any way a positive sense. And <laughs> they're not quite bad enough to fall into the relegation, relegation battle. They're not quite good enough to start battling for the top six. And if they stay there until the end of the season, I could not give a shit. I, I really couldn't care less. If they stay in that get, that that spot until the end of the season, if you get anything out of the Scottish Cup, that'd be great as well because that gives you a bit of momentum for the rest of the season. However, if it can go one way or the other, if they go on a great run and they start pushing for the top six, terrific. The flip side of that is if the changes that Robinson is making at the moment go the wrong way, then they immediately start dropping in with teams that we want nothing to do with. Um, the last three years, um, January 2018, January 2017, and of February 2016, ended up being very uh, sort of crucial months, months for Motherwell. Last year, two of them weirdly came against Ross County, given that we played them at the Cup at the weekend as well. It fits quite nicely. Um, but last January, and the first league game back, um, we came up against Ross County, who had under Owen Coyle picked up a bunch of players and again it was guys like David and Gog which was a big might be something might not be something nobody has any idea guys like Harry Souter but um, uh, Annie Effiong as well who turned out to be utterly fucking huddy but again it was they brought in a lot of players and they were, you know, the, the worry was that they turned it around and bounced back um, as it turned out um, Harry Souter called, scored one of the all time best own goals um, and it was fine uh, the year before that in 2017 um, Motherwell were in a horrible run um, but grabbed a 2-1 win away at Ross County with Moulton McDonald scoring um, after uh, McEverly equalised for County which the way the rest of the season put, turned out that turned out that was it was it was a vital win at that point and then in February 2016 which is bent a little bit because was, there wasn't winter break but it was still very early in the, the sort of second half of the season Motherwell went to Dundee United to again transfer into just closed they brought in a collection of players who Again, turned out to be absolutely humpty, but nobody knew that. It, it, it wasn't as clear at that. We played a, a surreal and odd formation, um, and Motherwell got the result and scurried them 3 nothing, which in the end kind of finished off Dundee United for that season and, and got Motherwell safe. January again, we come out, if we go into Ross County and we lose, there's a real positivity around the club. You can see it across all of the, the social channels and all the, the fan channels as well. There's a bit of positivity because we've brought in Ross McCormick. Um, we've brought in, brought in Arayibi and they seem like attacking, exciting players, which is going to be a, points to a change in what we're doing. Um, for McCormick as well, it's a huge, it's a huge moment for him because it's essentially defining what the rest of his career is going to be. Um, he's given the, the idea that he's a, he's a bad teammate, he's a bad trainer, he's not working because he had a fallen out with Steve Bruce. He was captain at Fulham before that. He was captain for a while at Cardiff as well. He's been a big player. He's played. He's been. He's cost a lot of clubs a lot of money, and that seems to be weirdly hanging over his head now as something which is his own fault that other clubs have spent money on him. Um, honestly, I think he'll be terrific. I think he'll be a huge player for Motherwell. I think he'll be. T- I think he will be great. But it is a real turning point for him because either he comes to Motherwell, performs, is great, is leaves Villa at the end of the season one way or another, um, and ends up back in Scotland or gets somewhere else. Or alternatively, he disappears off to Australia for the rest of his career, and we never really see him apart from a couple of free kicks now and again. So for all three of them, for the club, for Robinson, and for for McCormick, I think it's a, a big January. It's, I mean, the, the, the McCormick thing is really interesting because I've, I've seen it a few times about the, the fact that over the last couple of years he hasn't justified the transfer fees over <coughs> however long. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't justified the transfer fees over how long. What and you know can understand that thinking, but. He scored a hell of a lot of yeah. goals in the championship, yeah. and the championship is an incredibly wealthy league. And you can understand why. I mean, 
like in the twenties, I think he might have even got over a thirty one season. Yeah. Uh, so you can completely understand why people took a punt on him and took a punt on him more because than once. He's a goal scorer at that, level. Score at that level, yeah. exactly. And when the you know you look at what like Bristol City have spent, Bristol City spent more than most clubs' turnovers in, yeah. in transfer fees. This, the, uh, um, in, in the last couple of uh, windows, you can completely understand why people take a punt on guys that are, have previously scored yeah. a shit ton of goals at that level. And I, I, again, it's, it's essentially that he's, he's fallen out with Steve Bruce, which I'm not sure there's a black mark against him, uh, which people seem to be highlighting that Steve Bruce is, uh, comes across as a bit of a dickhead, personally. You might, you might not even be, just because you don't get on with one guy. Yeah. Like, lots of people who are perfectly decent folk. Yes, yeah, just rob each other don't on their own each way. Other. It's it's fine. But again, let's say it's. If he doesn't hit the ground running again, yeah. the, the story is that Ross McConnell's finished and he's he's done. Um, but I don't I don't think he is. I desperately hope he isn't either. I think it'll be great for him. I've also gone for Stevie Crawford. Um, kind of a <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, kind of a. I mean, it's kind of rough having almost a career-defining game in your second match against a, a local rival. But it it almost could be, yeah. um, like it. It would be nice for it to work out for him, you know, from Dunfermline, a club legend, being around enough times that, and they've been seriously underperforming for so long, uh, and particularly this season. Um, the, the the league's so odd that they're still, still well in the shoot, yeah. yeah. At the moment, they look more likely to be sucked in a, a, a yep. relegation fight than, than get into the, in amongst the playoffs, which is weird given the squad doesn't look particularly horrendous. But if your second game you get knocked out of the cup by a Wraith side that's not significantly worse, then it, it doesn't augur particularly well for him uh, and he's kind of fighting an uphill battle. So he kind of needs to hit the ground running as much as anything just to prove that there's there's more to him than uh, just sentimentality. Because, uh, I mean, in theory, it, it should all... It should all work out. Um, you know, he's he's worked with decent coaches before. Uh, yeah, his CV looks good. His CV looks like he's developed and he's developed and he's developed and he's done little bits and pieces here and there. But then he's teamed up with Jackie McNamara, which immediately which puts you on the back so foot as well. It's, again, I, I have no idea what Jackie McNamara is bringing to them filming, but the perception is not good at the moment. Yeah, the opposite kind of thing. for them, it's like they've obviously seen this opportunity to bring in like three. I mean, maybe Greg Shields and McMahon are club legends, but they, they're significantly attached to Dunfermline and they're mm-hmm. well known as being former Dunfermline players and popular yep. figures. Yeah, as they talked about on Thursday, like McNamara, sorry, um, Crawford does have a good squad to work with. Like, they've got players at that level who should do well. So if we can, you know, if we can get it right, that, like, there's definitely something they can push. And as you said about the table, like I was astonished when I looked in, in Queen of the South with the win and Saturday put themselves into the um, playoff place but they're only 9 points off the top of the league yeah. Inverness are only 10 or 12 back was Aloha 12 points off the playoffs which again for Aloha is a big stretch yeah, yeah. but Dunfermline are about 3 points ahead of that yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's so close um, and nobody wins more than about 2 games in a row anyway yep. so it's kind of if you, if you can just do that like um, yes yeah, so he's in yeah, it's a good I mean, and, and as much as anything well, obviously there's a lot of sentimentality to it but They've taken a real punt on him, and um, you know it's, it's not going to finish him off if they have a terrible result against Wraith. If, you know if they get knocked out of the cup, it's, it's certainly not going to finish him off, and there'll be plenty more to it. But it does kind of kill all enthusiasm, quite dead running into the second half of the season when they've got a squad that's capable of going on 
picking up enough points to at least challenge for a playoff place rather than getting sucked in at the bottom when other teams are in the better, on better runs than they are. Particularly as, the, as you say, hitting the ground running and gaining some momentum in that league is so important. Falkirk obviously are not playing in the Scottish Cup because um, they're bodied out by Stenhouse Muir. But at the same time, even though they only drew with Partick Thistle at the weekend, you got the impression that there was an awful lot more positivity out of Falkirk because they came back from a goal down. They scored and they've brought some bodies in that seem to be better than the absolute jobbers that they had to begin with. So again, even if they're not playing, it gives them an extra week to prepare themselves for the league, theoretically, and get themselves back in playing. And if they're going to start chasing people up the league, then again, that point becomes very difficult. Don't film big target one. Yeah, exactly. Don't film Everyone has the impression that Aloha, at this point, probably going to do enough. Um, they, there's every chance they might slip back in but they're probably like, you get the impression that they're going to get enough out of the gate they're going to get enough out of the points until the end of the season that they're at the very least going to avoid the, the automatic relegation spot Dunfermline one of the other ones who if he's as you say the form dip continues to dip then they've been bothered uh, I'll go for uh, David Vanacek because he has been getting built, built up for six so, months so much <laughs> he's getting built up for six months they've been like oh when David Vanacek gets here we'll be alright you know <coughs> Hearts haven't done that badly obviously yeah. they, they, in the last few months they've been struggling up front even Naismith coming back he's helped but they're still so short of body short. Yeah, very clearly short of and they've been like Vanacek's coming in he's obviously given all the social media pattern as well and so he's, he's built himself up and they've built him up to be this big superstar but he is still a boy coming from the Czech League having never played at kind of a a big level right? yep. I mean it's probably a sideways step in terms of the, the league because I'm sure there's not much difference but he's it's a hard one for him because they, yep. play, they play Livy obviously um, that Livy Cup game so on the telly I think will be a big um, a big one in general because of what happened the last time they met Hearts were an absolute mess there, there will be a lot more pressure on them than there normally would be obviously Craig Levine's never won a trophy in his career I don't know if I mentioned that before on here but um, <laughs> so he's you're, you wouldn't back him to win the Scottish Cup for you so he's under a lot of pressure to actually deliver something at some point in his career before he, he retires having won nothing as a player or a manager but he, um, they have to yeah they have to look into um, you know getting this getting this guy up and running straight away. But, uh, as if you he plays three games without scoring, or if he scores in his debut, of like t-shirts made up and yeah. all sorts. But if build build a Vanacek bus, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, he strolled it every week. That, that's a Hearts Hearts fan favourite. He strolled it, strolled it. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, given the given the last time Levy Hearts was on telly, it provided one of the best fifteen minutes of football <laughs> that we've seen all season. Um, and again, again, some of my favourite tweets of the season all year with the, the Levy social media team absolutely losing their goddamn mind. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so yeah, it's a it's a it's a dangerous position that he's found himself in through. I was going to say through no fault of his own, but that's not actually true. Um, I have got um, Brendan Rodgers, yeah, and uh, Brent, actually I've got again I've got a double on this uh, Brendan Rodgers, and uh, I'll, I'll tag on Ollie Buck to that as well. So I had a bit I had a bit of a look back over the past. Um, Sort of since right, since Celtic started their what, seven in a row title run, so this year they are leveling points. At this when the, when, the, when we return to league business on the twenty third of January, they will be one game in hand and leveling points, two clear of Aberdeen, and or, one clear of Aberdeen, two clear of. Co- there we go. Um, 
the year previously, uh, 20, 23rd of January 2018, there were 8 points clear of Aberdeen, 11 clear of Rangers and 16 clear of Hibs in 4th. 2017, 19 clear of Rangers, 21 clear of Aberdeen, 27 clear of Hearts. 2016, 6 clear of Aberdeen and it, it goes on. 2015 is the only one that was, was similar, they were level on points with Aberdeen but had 2 games in hand. The rest of the seasons are 13 points clear, 12 points clear, 4 clear of Rangers in 2012 and 5 clear of Rangers in 2011. And in 2012, obviously, Rangers had already imploded because Rangers were 15 points clear uh, at one point in that 2011-12 season, I think, and they'd obviously already started imploding and people could see what, what was coming in that season. Um, so, that you know, you're right, this is if... Because even with Aberdeen, I think, rightly or wrongly, they didn't see Aberdeen as a threat. Like, they don't no. see Aberdeen and Kelly as a threat this season, whether or not we, we should see them that way. Um it's it's about it's about Rangers. It's, 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 about, Rangers. it's about Rangers, but again, it's <laughs> it's it's the first time again with the exception I'd say with the exception of 2015 um, with the two games in hand. It's the first time it's been as close at this at this time in the year. Um, and when you when you compare it to some of the like I said 2017 or 19 clear Rangers at that stage in the season, which is unbelievable yeah. to think of, um, and where they are now. I do still think Celtic will win the league. Yeah, I think yeah. Celtic will win the league, and I think they'll win it by six points, whatever. Mm-hmm. But until that distance is made up, it's all it's, it's totally wide open. And again, it's big pressure on Brendan Rodgers, given that as we've discussed, Brendan Rodgers is looking after Brendan Rodgers. He's here to manage Celtic, but he's more looking. I think I don't think I'm alone in thinking that he's here to ensure that he gets himself a big job down south. If it gets to five weeks of the season to go and it's still a contest and it's still very close and there's a we get to the split and it's coming to another old firm game which again however the, the one before the end of the season goes we don't know you would imagine Celtic will step back up to it again in the future don't know if it gets to the post split and there's an old firm game where it's whoever's winning this is going to take the marks in the title is huge pressure on him and I'm really interested to see I'm really interested to see how Celtic react in the first place to being level at this stage of the season to lose in an old firm game um, and how they, how it goes to the rest of the season if they come out back from Dubai and start absolutely throttling teams then yeah that's that's kind of what you expect to happen but as soon as it doesn't then again it's, the pressure starts mounting and mounting on top of that as well so you, really they've got to hit, hit, the, hit the ground running for that and then sort of secondly to that um, Ollie Burke particularly but sort of Celtic signs as well you'd imagine got to hit that as well and that's pressure on Celtic board weirdly this makes this kind of takes pressure away from Brendan Rodgers yeah. um, but they still haven't signed a fullback. Mm. It's, there's still no there's still no other fullback there so if Tierney's injured they basically have no one of any note to play play, play fullback whatsoever did they, sign, did they sign that American boy who is a, I think a left back but he's like a nothing he's a he's like a guy that you're taking a punt on he's yeah. not like a yeah and the, so the uh, Flip side, in addition to that, you've got Ollie Burke in there who I think we were discussing that on the transfer. We were talking about the transfers as well. If Burke comes up and is absolutely flying and goes back down the road, that's it's great for Ollie Burke, it's great for West Brom. Celtic benefit very little out of it. If he comes up and he performs nothing, um, doesn't offer a huge amount to Celtic, and the way that English fans perceive Scottish football, then he's done at West Brom. He's, mm. he's finished there. So where does where does his, his career go then? Does he go back abroad? Does he return to Scotland and sign for 
Kilmarnock and get Steve Clark to turn him around I, uh, what happens there to him what happens at that point for him I think I mean I think all that's that completely fair I think, I think the um, I, I said a couple of years ago and I, it, it's becoming more and more true so I'm going <laughs> to toot my own trumpet about this um, Brendan Rodgers when he leaves Celtic he will this the, like Scottish football will have learned a hell of a lot from him. Yes. He will have learned nothing from Scottish football. <laughs> like I mean, he hasn't learned how to. Like he hasn't seen the way teams set up against him and thought I can take this into Europe. He hasn't learned how to. Like he hasn't had to massively alter his game plan. It, 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 that often it, to learn like a new way of playing or, or you know evolve the style that he came up with. He's just had his his way of and his philosophy, which has worked for him domestically, you know, impeccably domestically, and not so much, uh, not so much in Europe. It, it's 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 a it's a weird point. Like you're, you're right that they, they do need to hit the ground running, but it's this really weird pivot in the season that because Celtic have a game in hand, they could come within like three weeks. They could yeah, yeah. be seven nine yep. points clear comfortably. And then it's like, well, what we're, we're, we're all talking about, yeah, that's it. Or, or they could go into that Valencia game, and be get thumped by Valencia, yeah. or, or or maybe even worse for their league prospects, it could be Valencia and have like a, <laughs> you know a, a big uh, a big campaign of that to deal with in two fronts and, and fixtures yeah. going depending on how the fixtures go. Sundays the top four teams in uh, you know just over a week's time, the top four teams could be separated by a point, and it's not a massive leap. Um, given given what's the way things have been going, um, and then the pressure does start mounting. I I mean I, I agree with you that it's it's still like ninety percent a, a Rangers Celtic title challenge. I think the only thing that's different this season is they are they are both dropping silly yeah. points against everyone else. So if I mean like, Kilmarnock's run to a large extent has been on beating almost everybody else. Aberdeen have been pretty terrible until the last. Two months <laughs> when they were <laughs> great. Kilmarnock's title, title challenge is based on losing to nobody but Aberdeen. Aberdeen's title challenge is based on just beating Kilmarnock. <laughs> this, the maths on this doesn't work. Well, it's, it's, no, but you're right. Like, the thing with both of them is if for any team outside the old firm to win the league, whether it's Aberdeen, Kelly, or whoever, they need not only for them to be able to beat Celtic, which, well, Aberdeen haven't been Celtic this season, but they've, they've got close again, I think yeah. they do, but Kelly have, but for other teams that aren't them to take points off yeah. Rangers and Celtic which um, Hearts have done Hibs yeah. have done yeah. Livingston have done Mollowell have done, done. Yeah. Uh, well, there's this, there is this weird sort of paper scissors stones thing in the last 18 months when Aberdeen have been able to beat Rangers or you know beaten them twice this season and, and a one draw Killy have kind of held uh, Celtic at arm's length at the very least Aberdeen have had to over Killy Celtic have like being completely untroubled by Aberdeen except for a bounce game at the end of last season. Yeah. And if that continues, then you might get, you know, you you, you are having people hemorrhaging points in the way that they weren't in previous and seasons. I really, and I really do points. wonder if you got to the end of the season and someone like Aberdeen or Kelly or even Hearts could still be in there, yeah. genuinely were in a title race, if the supporters of, say, say, if, like, say if Aberdeen played Kelly in the last day of the season, yeah. it meant nothing to us. <laughs> I wouldn't be, would be talking about fucking Aberdeen. <laughs> like, I wonder if that, that could become a factor. Like genuinely, yeah, just, it, it, it gets the last six weeks of the season, and Kilmarnock and Aberdeen have five games to play. <laughs> five games to play. Obviously, one against Rangers, one against Celtic, one against Hearts, one against 
St. Johnston one against Hibs like mm. <laughs> <laughs> are you really going to worry about it are you just going to go along and just watch it play out in front of you yeah, yeah fine absolutely yeah. fine with that is that do we get any more for that I was going to say Premier Sports um, big time they have uh, they have obviously picked up the rights this is their f- since uh, since they used to be Satanta and they went down the drain since they became the new co-Premier Sports this is the first big foray they've taken into what any any football in like major yeah. British football league they've covered a few um, the European the early round games and stuff I watched um, Virgin had a I've never yeah, played for it, but Virgin had because they lost the sort of watching all these kind of channels for a while. They kind of as a makeup yeah. to people that gave you I a couple of months off. I watched the qualifying games and all that were on it, and they've done all that stuff. But this is the first time they've picked up uh, a major competition. They've got this, the Scottish Cup, but they're also then taking the League Cup from either next season or the season after. Um, so they, this is huge for them. This is like their chance to kind of muscle their way back into the kind of mainstream and they've done the right thing with the team in terms of they've just they've basically just lifted the entire yeah. BT Sport team which is essentially what to do I, I, for, for what it's worth I think it will work because they've picked up the it's Sunset and Vine they'll be yeah. producing it so it's essentially the same programme Yeah. Um, so unless they inexplicably decide do you know what this is actually what we're yeah. going to tear this up and stuff no the only the only contradiction to that is BT Sport, well, only because they've been secondary right holders and haven't been able to get a lot of the big Rangers and Celtic games, have kind of gone out to say we're not just a big yeah, Rangers yeah. and Celtic. Now, they've obviously had a few missteps with that themselves, but Premier's entire business model will be around taking the Rangers and Celtic games at every single round of the yeah. cup because they're trying to get subscribers in. And that'd be interesting to see because Celtic v Airdrie is a game that nobody wants to watch. You know it's going to, you know it's going to be like four 0 Ollie Burke will come on as a sub and score. It's just going to be uninteresting. Counting beef Rangers like that would be on regardless because it's a it's a fun game. Yeah. Like seeing superstars turn up on a ship. Yeah, like it's always good. The, the idea of having that guy with the kettle filling the six yard box and boiling water again is, is that's why I'm, I'm absolutely there for it. But, but yeah, so I just think it's big for Premier in the coming year now. I'd say the early round games would be no big deal but when it gets to the semi-final they've got I think one exclusive semi yeah. for them to after, you, after you've spent three rounds picking up how many yeah. Rangers and Celtic are and it's Rangers Aberdeen or Rangers Hibs or Rangers Kilmarnock or whatever do you do you continue along the same editorial line as you do on BT Sport as it is or what do you, what do you produce yeah. it's, a, it's a good question um, so as long time listeners uh, may remember a few years ago we did a, a countdown of, of great Scottish European results and I, I, I don't know if I'm talking on here but it was a feature I absolutely loved um, as it was just at the start of my time on the terrace as well and spending a bit of time uh, in a previous job where I had a lot of free time uh, researching European results and finding out wee things and like finding out that what was it one of the Kelly one of the Kelly team that played against Eintracht Frankfurt was now a painter and decorator and Stirling and stuff it was great fun I absolutely loved it loved it um, with that in mind um, we're going to be doing a rundown of our most memorable Scotland games um, so we've picked a couple each which we'll discuss a little bit which I think we may discuss at length on a, on a, on a future episode and these are yeah, ones that, that we, yeah. we haven't I think we haven't fully finalised the exact selection criteria yeah. we're going to do a top 50 is that yeah right? I think it's something along those and, lines uh, yeah. it's not just it's memorable so it's, it's yeah. win, lose and draw and um, indeed maybe even as the one I'm going to allude to games that didn't even take place but <laughs> um, the Scotland it is 
if we've got a kind of tie, we'll pick the one we won because yeah. I mean that's better. But yeah. it's not just about wins; it's about games where you're like that. That kind of I've got. I mean, the one, the one I've got, I've got, I've got two down, so I'll probably yeah, get through yeah. one of them. But yeah, one of them is. Uh, memorable and so yeah this will be I really enjoyed those features when, when you started doing it was just after I moved, moved to Australia and it kind yeah. of kept me, kept me <laughs> it was like a good a good fun thing to do so so well, do you want to click, click, is, oh, click yeah, on? obviously I'll yeah, to it you, but you, you, you Scotland v Estonia or Estonia v Scotland as it should be in uh, Tallinn one team in Tallinn um, in the qualifiers for Euro 90 sorry World Cup 98 um, and it was just just a complete farce from start to finish. Just, you know the SF or the Estonian FA said it was like a nighttime kickoff, seven pm or something, and the SF or the SFA said to FIFA, eh, "We're not sure these floodlights are really up to it." And FIFA sent someone out and went, "No, you're right. We're going to have to make the game an afternoon kickoff." And the Estonian FA basically went, "Nah, <laughs> nah," and so Scotland turned up for the game. And I've heard, I've read interviews from the players where they've said we didn't know if they were going to. You know, yeah, so they obviously, last minute, they obviously yeah. warmed up and all that, and knew they weren't there. But they were like, we we were preparing for the game. You can imagine Craig Brown preparing them for the game anyway, because that's just how. You, you imagine John Collins being right off yeah. the like properly <laughs> for this. And then obviously um, they didn't turn up, and then Leonard Johansson, Swedish Leonard Johansson, then managed to stick his his in and have the match replayed in Monte Carlo which in itself I think could be rolled into one yeah. that I remember that game vividly as being hopeless and weird and um, why, why, are, why are Scott why, why even if they did pick a neutral venue why would they pick Monte Carlo yeah really what the thing that I've never understood about that is why did the referee go through like did somebody just keep nudging and go just do it just yeah, do I, it I think, <laughs> just do it just I think they it. said there's 3,000 Scotland fans here you better give them something give them something for the day, yeah. rather than just go it's half lads like, yeah. they're not going to be the, the whole the whole sort of show of the thing of getting everyone to line up doing the anthems and then getting them to kick off it right that's us lads let's all go home I remember coming home from from school ready to watch it and then being very baffled by the game and I wasn't <laughs> maybe quite old enough to properly process it and it, it, it was and again, it's, it's before obviously miles before the age of social media. So if you if you haven't held the story up until that point, and obviously the story developed as the day went yeah, on, you're like, right? Okay. It, it was it was all last minute. It wasn't yeah. like like I mean maybe it would have been on the news the night before or that. Yeah. But yeah, so that that's to me a, a highly memorable Scotland game if it counts as a game. Yes, we'll go with that. Tom, what have you got? Uh, same same qualifiers actually, but like just much happier memories. Um, as the one 0 win over Sweden. Um, and John McGinley scored, but that wasn't like the the part that was particularly memorable. It was like a really, really, really good Sweden team, and we picked them qualified just behind Austria for the World Cup. But the main thing I can remember with that game was like Jim Layton made like he must have made fifteen saves <laughs> in that game, and none of them were orthodox. <laughs> none of them were like. He tipped one round. It was like it hit. It looked like it was like it hit an elbow or like his knee was in the right place at the right time and there was one I'm sure it was Kenneth Anderson went through and just like smashed it and he threw his face in front of it mm. and it went straight up in the air and it was just like you know that there's there's goalkeeping performances that look just incredibly cool and it was not one of those <laughs> it was just like he just, he just managed to be in the right place at the right time it was like someone had gone in goals and everything and that never played before and somehow had it's managed like- to th- 
it's like that set up video of the boy that keeps getting knocked out with penalties being taken yeah. and then they're sticking him <laughs> on a chair and stuff like that yeah. yeah, it remind me of I'm a game which definitely won't make it on this list. But uh, when we went to, out to Belgium under Craig Levine and Alan McGregor was in goals that night, and I was I was at that game and I was sitting like it, the stadium's really shit in Brussels, and um, they had a big advertising hold in front of the goal, and I was quite near the front. My seat was near the front, so I couldn't actually see the goal line. So the, so the advertising hold was like blocking my view yeah. of the goal line. And the amount of shots that got fired in, and I was like, oh, well, that's a goal. <laughs> and then somehow McGregor dug it out. To the point that it took them like 70 minutes to score against us, and we were fucking awful at that point. <laughs> and, so kind of, and that's kind of reminiscent of what you described there, where they just seem to be stopping all these shots, and you're like, I had that written off of the goal already. Yeah, and, and partly just a very happy memories because it was kind of the decider that, that memory went the World Cup. Oh, we, we nearly managed to, uh, not to do it again for Latvia, but... <laughs> very nearly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, while you've got very positive memories, I've got a different memory. Uh, so I'll take you back, first of all, to the summer of 2009. Mm. Uh, so the season we're about to kick off, it was a season that featured uh, Paul McGowan scoring in the Europa League for Celtic against Rapid Vienna. Uh, Rangers won the SPL but didn't win a single game in Europe. Uh, Mark McGee's Aberdeen uh, took an absolute doing of a team that finished fourth in the Czech Premier League, coming back to David Vanacek. And Falkirk lost to some no marks from Liechtenstein. And Motherwell lost at home to literally the fattest footballer I've ever seen uh, yeah, yeah. playing central midfield for uh, Len Eckley. So. Scottish football taking a bit of a doing in Europe and the season like basically hadn't even started. Like all of this was happened or the majority of this had happened, not Paul McGowan scored, that was later on. Um, but the majority of this had happened before the season had even kicked off. Um, so just before the season kicked off, really what Scottish football needed was a shot in the arm. And uh, what they got was the Caldwell brothers playing at centre half against Norway. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms, like, in terms of memorable games I, that's not the game I, I thought it was going to be the Macedonia game no 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 the, the, that was the season the four, before season before when we turned up in Macedonia and Barry, Barry Robson looked like the, the biggest fish out of water in history <laughs> like a 60 degree heat <laughs> Boys, he was basically burnt to crisp by the end of it no uh, I've got, uh, Norway 4 Scotland 0 um, Gary Caldwell sent off after 2 yellow cards in 2 minutes uh, first for crunching Morton Gams Pedersen and then hauled down John Carew in fairness right, I watched it again and he was a little bit unlucky for getting put off for hauling down Carew but it's also very stupid um, just an unbelievable level of stupidity and again the thing my memory of this game was because this was the campaign after we'd taken on France and taken on Ukraine and taken on Italy and gone toe to toe with them and the team hadn't changed massively um, David Weir had retired again not for shaking off some fairy wee fishermen this time, but for actually for being old. Um, well, he still came back again, didn't he? I think he did yeah. again, didn't he? Really? Um, so, we had uh, David Marshall, Alan Hutton, Cal Davidson as well, which I think must have been one of his last caps. Um, Stephen Caldwell and Gary Caldo, as I said, uh, Graham Alexander played a holding midfield role ahead of Paul Hartley, who was great at the time. Uh, we had Dan Fletcher, Chris Commons, Scott Brown, Kenny Miller and Ross McCormick started the game. Um, McCormick was replaced just after uh, Caldwell got sent off with Christoph Berra coming on um, McFadden replaced Stephen Caldwell for some reason like three minutes into the second half I can't remember why but I remember it being weird at the time boy. yeah okay. <laughs> um, Caldwell, Stephen Caldwell almost got himself put off in that game as well um, and we 
ended up with a certain half pairing of Alan Hutton and Stephen Whitaker, which was the most like <laughs> <laughs> like again my my abiding memory of this game is that it felt like it went on for fucking days. Like, was, I was working at student union in Dundee at the time, hadn't long been elected um, to piss about essentially, and I had a bar tab, so I was in. We're in the bar having a great time, a really good build up to the game, really excited about it. And then it honestly felt like about four hours later the game finished. Like it's just I felt like I'd been there for my like my entire life had passed before my eye. <laughs> like the tides had moved, the sun had set and I was still watching this fucking my, game. My of that campaign, we seemed to lose every single fucking game. But then we played Holland in the last game. Yeah. If we beat them we would so, just go <laughs> into the yeah. Norway Norway when Norway beat us four nothing, they were bottom of the group. Uh, we finished equal on 10 points behind Norway because the head-to-head difference was obviously an awful lot better. And Norway got goals from uh, John Arnold Lisa, Morgan Persson got two, and Eric Husserklip got one as well. Uh, John Carew scored a goal as well, which for some fucking reason wasn't given. Um, but yeah, let's like say just my overwhelming memory is just that the game just lasted forever. Like I felt like I, I felt like time had stopped for about th- just so long. And my again, my abiding memory of that campaign as a whole is it so the campaign before obviously had been great and we loved it and that is the, the navy blue kit with the gold stitching yeah. from that one is one of my all time favourite Scotland tops I think it stands it stands it stands beside like the tartan one and the yellow purple and white one and everything I love that kit but the ones for that year for that campaign the Deodorans I just fucking hated them I hated the kits I hated the home one I hated the away one I just hated it. Every, 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 after the campaign and then going in that game, every time I went to a game, I was like, everything. Like, even getting to games that campaign seemed difficult. Every time I tried to get a train, it was cancelled. I was trying to get a bus, never turned up. I hated it. Everything about it. And that Norway game was just like the, the peak of it. Mm. By the time it got to uh, El Herio earlier, scored in fog. Because again, you see, we were in the last, camp- the last game of the campaign. We played well that night. Played well. David Marshall again played well for Scotland and lost, as is fairly standard for David Marshall as a Scotland goalkeeper. Um, and earlier scored in like the 83rd minute or something after we'd been chasing the game. Which, in the end, the Dutch deserved it. Fine. But, <clears throat> just by the time by the time he scored, I feel, it honestly felt like a weight off my shoulders. I was like, I'm so glad this is over because I'd Every moment of this has been absolute torture. So yeah, brilliant. Hated that kit and that that Norway result. Absolutely killed that campaign for it. It's miserable, miserable, <laughs> miserable night watching that game. Mm. Anyway, so moving on from from those collections of uh, winners and losers, uh, we're going to have a look at some. Just to finish off the show, uh, we're going to do a, a quick Scottish lower leagues winners and losers. And um, so who have we got for this? Uh, I'll go for a broth. Um... I've got, I've got Bobby I've got Bobby yeah, in as well 13 points clear now at the top of uh, of League 1 15 games to go Arbroath did of course bottle a league title a few years back yeah. um, but I can't see it happening again we were uh, we were kind enough to be treated to some lovely hospitality up there yeah. I say treated we paid for it um, <laughs> we paid for it in fact uh, one of the ones that do the Patreon but um, thank you thanks very much um, but they weren't great last weekend but this, this the ground out the win they got the, the win eventually this weekend they, they blew away um, their opponents and they won quite comfortably and so it's just kind of 
I I like to see teams who I haven't seen in the second tier for a long time get there. Yeah. So it'd be really nice to see our bro. I know, I know they were there in the early two thousands or maybe even later than that. But I have I don't have really much recollection of our both being in that division. So it'd be nice to see them. It'll be nice to see Dick Campbell back at that exactly. level. Exactly. That's, that's what I was about to say. Dick Campbell with the, the BBC showing more championship games. The idea, like watching the the BBC Alba coverage of Edinburgh City against Arbroath um, from the Diane Brew Cup. Uh, at our growth and like the TV platform they built and stuff there every moment of watching I was like this is brilliant I absolutely love this so the idea of I mean again the championship seems to consistently have like reasonably big teams in it if Partick this will survive they'll be there just and they could and they could have like yeah. four home Angus Derby's ish we want to call them that yeah. against against Dundee United yep. and Dundee yep um, so again like the idea of Dundee fans Dundee United fans Gayfield just look at like Dundee fans and Dundee United fans turn up at our brothers and we mobbed we absolutely massive and I, again I've, I've, I'm absolutely all for it I, I had Bobby Lynn um, for scoring an Olympic goal yeah and he's yeah he's. I think he, I feel like he's done that before I don't think it's the yeah. first time he scores from a corner but I, I would absolutely believe yeah, that I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, get, I don't know but I, if, if you're Bobby Lynn and you're listening then please do let us know whether you've done that before <laughs> but yeah he's, he's one of his uh, 16 league goals this season so that's quite impressive yeah. for a 33 year old like, winger as yeah. well uh, Aloha as we already touched on I mean the championship is championship is weird every week but particularly <laughs> weird this week um, one of we've got a little gambling syndicate and we pick one team each and there's one just incredibly unlucky guy this season who never seems to pick badly but always just loses. for some reason always loses so he picked Ross County this week and uh, yeah he, he's like we'll pick Man City in the week they lose <laughs> uh, you know I think out of 23 weeks he's got 10 right or something but uh, yeah so it all went weird uh, in the championship this week uh, but um, I guess almost to form Aloha were the, the, the ones that um, that kind of defy, didn't have to defy the odds and, and um, came from behind to, to beat Unit Martin at one of the most Incredible own goals that you'll ever so see. I, I would and actually it's still of the yeah. mascot behind is sensational. I would actually argue that they did overcome the odds um, on the basis that uh, Dario Zanata and Jim Goodwin not only overturned the manager of the month and player of the month curse, which it's one of the it's one of the like, oh ex players always score against us or whatever whatever the fuck you believe in football. The manager of the month and the player of the month, and I actually do buy into. I mean, feel, I'm, I'm all for curses generally. Um, I'm a big curse guy. Um, but, <laughs> uh, this is one is hexes. Yeah, curses, Stevie, Stevie Hamill's cursed amulet. All of these things, I do very much believe in. This is what I very much believe in, and they seem to be able to not only and the fact that it was Zanata's sort of shot which mm. led to it. Not only have they overturned the curse, but they've actually managed to place the curse on Green McMartin as well. Um, it's yeah, absolutely I think wonderful. That curse got placed on Green McMartin the moment they appointed Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I my my I've got a loser, so I've got uh, the town of Dunfermline, um, who after spending a game trying to bam up Nicky Clark, got it absolutely bent right up them by Nicky Clark, um, who not only did it during the game, but then waited several hours afterwards until presumably the Dunfermline fans were leaving the pub and they went, <laughs> I'll do it again. Um, so yeah, all for Nicky Clark. Absolutely boiling the piss of the town of Dunfermline. So yeah, good on you, mate. Um, I'll go for a... Or no, no, we can't, we can't. We're going to go for Dumbarton as a loser. They can only name three subs on Saturday. One of which was a goalkeeper. They then uh, had the man sent off and conceded a stoppage time goal um, to lose and so they are now 
either a, either a drift at the bottom they're, they're, they're doing very badly at the bottom for yeah. a team that are um, expected to be league winners and I think they lost a player to injury so with the injury and the suspension if nobody gets fit they could potentially be lining up for the next game with no substitutes no, only a sub goalie so absolutely I am hoping what, no, what I'm hoping for trialist one trialist two can do it the, oh no you can in league one so they would have to play well, the championship well I'm not wishing ill on people I do want the goalkeeper to end up playing left wing Yes. <laughs> yeah, some, just like at some point like Stevie Woods like Stevie Woods played in the left wing for Motherwell once it was great um, so yeah I'm all for I would, I would really like I'd like yeah, scrap substitutes and we'll get it back yeah absolutely I think that's absolutely fine um, any more? <coughs> smashing okay so thank you very much for listening uh, as you have almost certainly seen on our social media the first ever Terrace Podcast live show will be taking place on Friday the 8th of February at Glasgow Caledonian University Students Association uh, doors about 7 o'clock so please do come along and have a few pints and tell us why we're wrong at the suitable Q&A section of the show uh, tickets will be on sale this Friday um, and are priced at £15 the show is going to split into three sections so we have a top flight section uh, a lower league section and then a Q&A to round it all off the tickets are limited we've got 100 tickets um, so it's pretty limited um, so please do dive on the link as soon as it becomes available most of it will be there yeah, um, we'll, we'll, yeah if you want to if there's a particular Terrace Podcast member you would like to harangue um, particularly Joe, um, we, <laughs> <laughs> we will we'll we'll all be there in one capacity or another. Supposing that Craig G. Telford is not booked up, fucking haircut or nose trim or something, I have no idea. Uh, so yeah, do please uh, come along. It's going to be sort of three, four hours worth of nonsense. nonsense yeah. yeah, nonsense. <laughs> really, Craig and I are really locking eyes on nonsense here. So thank you very much, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much, Craig. Cheers. Thank you very much, Graham. Podcast Network.